My name is Tracy Carpenter and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, welcome. We are glad that you tuned in. We believe that the church is a family and not just an event, and so we would love to connect with you. Uh, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first being um, through our website, which is www.restoredtemecula.church, um, and then click on contact. We also have a mobile app that you can get in the Apple or the Android app stores, and through that app you can see past um, messages, upcoming events, and other ways for us to connect. Um, so with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. It's really good to see you this morning. I love waking up and having it be kind of like foggy and crisp and cool. We got that extra hour, so I took a little walk this morning and praying. And then I, my favorite weather is that crisp, cool kind of fog in the morning. And then right around 9 or 10 o'clock, it burns off and the sun starts to shine. And that's what's happening today. Uh, maybe I like it because it's a living picture of the reality that we're living for, which is... Uh, the haze of the brokenness of sin that is among us, um, and the everlasting light that awaits us. So, I don't know. I just feel good about this morning, feel, feel grateful, feel pleased. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church as the lead pastor on eldership with my wife, Ebony, and Heather and Herrick, Herrick and Heather Berga. Um, yeah, just want to introduce myself before I get started. We're going to, it's weird, guys, we're kind of, I guess, in the middle of like a little mini-series that we didn't anticipate. Uh, we had a family meeting two or three weeks ago or something like that, um, in which we really wanted to be intentional about outlining a, a plan, really, like a vision for spiritual formation for every stage of life in our church. Um, and the framework that we used was, what do we want them to know, like, you know, what, their beliefs, a healthy disciple, right? We want them to know their beliefs. What do we want them to be? That's identity, who we want them to be. And then what do we want them to know how to do, their abilities? And that's kind of the framework that we've installed as a, as a church of like, who do we actually want to be intentional living like, right? We're, we're, we're talking about this idea of formation. We're all becoming someone, every single one of us. We're all becoming something. We're always being formed, either into the likeness of Jesus more or less into the likeness of Jesus, okay? And this idea of like, we're always being formed, guys, I want us to continually think about this. I know you've heard me talk about this for a couple weeks now, but I, I want us to think about like we're always being formed. Every moment of the day, we're being formed. Our culture is forming us. Our, our, our screens are forming us. The algorithms that are in, you know, behind the scenes of those screens are forming us. Our experiences form us. The good, the bad, everything in between, we're being formed, okay? And so this, this framework of know, be, and do, I really feel like it's God leading us to live with intentionality as disciples of Jesus. All of this, this idea of spiritual formation, becoming more like him, that is discipleship. That's what it is. To be a disciple of Jesus is someone who's learning to enjoy him, obey him, and operate like him, who's becoming more like him, Okay? And so that's what we talked about, that family meeting. And kind of coming out of that, that message, I, I really felt like, oh man, we need to flesh this out some more. And that was last week. We talked about how formation really originates in your mind. 
formation and originates in your mind. We went through the first couple of verses in Romans chapter 12 where it talks about, where Paul says like, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, like be transformed by the renewing of your mind, okay? His whole thing is like, instead of being like the world, we want, instead of being like formed into the likeness of the world, we want like to practice a counter-formation, okay? Formation into the likeness of Jesus. It's like a battle, okay? And again, this idea of what do we want each stage of life to know, to be, and to do, and then what are the strategies that we implement as people to, to, to solidify that, to reinforce that, to introduce those things. That was, that was week two. And then last week, um, we talked about really this idea of that one of the major keys to actually being transformed in the likeness of Jesus is to actually be in view of God's mercies, to, 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 to see them, to actually see his mercies. And there's more to this, though. Like, that's what we've covered in the last couple weeks. I want to I kind of review that. But there's more here. That I, I feel like we need to take another week just to kind of flesh some more things out. Okay, so today I want to talk about one more aspect in this equation of spiritual formation that's honestly probably the most important. And when I say that, you, maybe you guess what it is. But today we're going to talk about God's love. Something that I'm sure that you've heard so much about. You've heard it frequently but God's love, like friends, there's nothing greater than the love of God. Like, when I pause and I examine my life and I actually give myself over emotionally, physically, mentally, to examining my life, man, the evidence of God's love for me all along the way is overwhelming. He doesn't give up on me. He never bails out on me. Even in like my worst, gross, dark moments, when my faith isn't just like weak, it's like, like rebellious even. He's so kind. He's so patient with me, gracious with me, merciful towards me. The love of God, there's nothing like it. And I know you're, you're just like me. There's a deep part inside your soul that aches to be loved. Like to feel it. Not to just like kind of know the concept, but to actually feel it. The love of God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? So go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be primarily... Um, in one verse. Today we're going to bounce around to a a handful of verses, but our foundation this morning is going to be in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, you can go ahead and flip there in your Bible if you don't have one with you. Uh, The guys will throw it up on the screen for us. But while you're flipping there, before we actually jump into the Word of God, I want to pray. So will you join me? Father, thank you for your love. Uh, I find myself, man, all the time, just to a certain degree, numb to your love, knowing that it's it's present, but not feeling it. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to help. Uh, we need you to like illuminate the love of God to us this morning. We need you to help us. 
feel it in our faculties, in our senses, physically even. Spirit, would you help me to honor everybody in the room? I don't want to get in the way at all of what you want to accomplish. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that it's calming, it's peaceful. Even when things around us are not. Point us to Jesus, God. We love you so much. Amen. Okay, so again, we're talking about spiritual formation. Okay, please don't forget. Spiritual formation. You and I being formed more into the likeness of Jesus. That's discipleship. That's what we're talking about, okay? So I'm going to read Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 here. And this is the Apostle Paul, okay? I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul describes his transformation, okay? Into the likeness of Jesus. His discipleship, I guess, process, if you will. Okay, check out what he says. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. One verse. Yet, a lifetime of treasure. <laughs> okay? If there was ever a verse that encompasses what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it's Galatians 2.20. So what I want to do is I want to break this down. I want to highlight four things from this verse that will help us better understand our own spiritual formation. Because we could talk about Paul's spiritual formation all day long. We can examine Paul and all that's cool, but what about you and I? There's things that we can learn from Paul's spiritual formation, from his discipleship, that we can literally apply to ours, okay? So the first thing I want to point out is this. Paul describes two selves here. Selves. Two selves in this verse. The old self and the new self, okay? Did you catch it? And he says that his old self is dead. And he's specific. He said, my old self, it was crucified with Jesus. That guy's dead. Okay? I want to just touch on Paul's old self for just a second. Okay? And instead of me kind of telling you all about this, let's just, again, let's use Paul's words. Okay? Check out what Paul says about himself in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation here quickly. This is Paul talking about his old self, his old life. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. So he's like, I'm the Jewish of the Jews. Like, I'm super Jew. <laughs> I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. So I don't know if you know this, Paul's a Pharisee. Verse six, I was so zealous, check this out, that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul's old self, okay? Paul was a Jewish Pharisee who literally persecuted Christians. He organized their murder. Okay, that's how passionate he was. And in Galatians, Paul says that that old self is dead. The reason I'm bringing this up, guys, is because if we want to be people who understand our own spiritual formation, our own discipleship, if, we want to, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to understand something, 
okay? We cannot understand discipleship without understanding this idea of two selves, all right? I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but do you remember those two slides I showed you? Um, Marshall, will you throw the first one up there, the, the deformed one? Yeah. So this is like Romans 12, right? Be, being conformed to the age. So this is like you being deformed into the likeness of the world instead of transformed into the likeness of Jesus. All right, we talked about this. This is this idea of, of two selves, okay? What do we want? That, like, this is, this is uh, the, the, the deformed self. This is what the deformed self believes, this is who they are, the, the, the identities they operate out of, and then the fruit of that, how they live, that, what they do. Go ahead and throw the transformed one up again. Just, I, want, I, want, I want to refresh your memory here, guys. So this is someone who's, who's being formed into the image of Jesus, who's, who's becoming like him as a disciple, right? Comparing and contrasting those things. This is exactly what Paul's talking about in our passage, in our verse in Galatians. Okay, the old me, the deformed self, that guy was crucified with Christ. He's dead. And now Christ lives in me, Paul says. And this, my friends, is the, man, this is the internal battle, isn't it? This is the internal battle that takes place in the life of every follower of Jesus. Every single one of us is like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You guys remember that book from like grade school? Has, it, has anybody not read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? It's this crazy story of one guy who basically lives two, he has two different selves. One is really out of control and one is wonderful. That's this idea. To live as the deformed self or to live as the transformed self. That's the internal battle for every follower of Jesus. Everybody in this room. Okay, so that's my first thing I want to point out to us from that verse. The disciple of Jesus has two selves. You and I are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay? The second thing I want to point out here quickly is something that is just an incredibly profound reality, and that is that the spirit of Christ lives in the Christian. Okay, this is elementary Christianity. Now, all of you know this. Stay with me because I think we take this one for granted so often, okay? The spirit of Christ lives in the Christian. Look back at Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, okay? Paul, he's obviously not saying that, that like Jesus lives inside of him in bodily form. I mean, like, did you ever see that movie uh, Inner Space from the 80s? With Dennis, with Dennis Quaid and like Martin Short, you remember this movie? If you haven't seen it, it's hilarious, okay? It's this wacky story where Dennis Quaid's character gets shrunk down and he lives in this like little like spaceship type thing and he actually ends up living inside of Martin Short and like giving him, commi- like, giving him directions and stuff. It's hilarious. It's, it's from the 80s. If you, if you grew up in the 80s like I did, you'll, you'll love it. But that's not what we're talking about here. Jesus isn't like shrunk down into miniature bodily form into Paul. That's not what he's talking about here. He's referring to the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit or the spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. That's who he's talking about. You see that those phrases kind of used interchangeably all throughout the New Testament, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. That's what we're talking about here, the spirit of Christ. Um, Old Testament, primarily in Hebrew, originally, right, and then translated into English. The New Testament, primarily in Greek, then translated into English. The word for spirit in both 
I'll, I'll give you that. The Hebrew word is the word ruach for spirit. And the Greek word for spirit is pnevma. And they both mean the same thing. They both mean wind or breath. Wind or breath. The idea is that a spirit is essentially like a, an unseen energy. Think of the wind, okay? Uh, it's this you know, powerful en- energy that you don't physically see the wind, but you see its effects, right? So if you go outside right now and the wind kicks up, you won't see the wind, but you'll see those tree- trees blowing. You'll see some of the w- leaves coming off the trees, right? Same thing with breath, right? You don't see it, but it provides energy to your body. So you see its effects, Unless it's cold outside, yes, you can see the breath, but you get, the, you get my drift here. So spirit is that which animates or gives life to the body. You tracking with me? Friends, you and I are spiritual beings. You are a spiritual being. I would say you are spirit as much as you are body. And one could easily argue you are more spirit than you are body. Oftentimes you'll hear people use, even like Bible theologians will use spirit and soul kind of synonymously, interchangeably. So when you think spirit, maybe you think soul. Um, Let me read you this. The, The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, a fantastic reference and resource. It defines it this way, quote, Distinguished from the body, so separate from the body, it is the inner consciousness, the thinking, planning, motivating intelligence. Hence, it often refers to one's frame of mind, their tendency towards enthusiasm or depression, courage or fear, and the like. That's your spirit. That's your spirit. So when we talk about this idea of the deformed self versus the transformed self, we're referring to our spirit, our inner consciousness, the thinking, planning, motivating intelligence. Are you guys seeing this idea? Yeah? No? Great. I want, I want, to, I want to make sure. So do me a favor. Just take a moment and consider your spirit. Like right now in this moment, maybe catch up to your spirit. What's your spirit like right now? What's your inner conscious, the thinking, planning, motivating intelligence, the frame of mind in you as a person, the the. Yeah, the motivating intelligence, that which animates and gives life to your body. How is it right now? One of the things that the Bible is like super clear on is that our spirit has been corrupted. It's been corrupted by sin both the sins that we commit, both the bad that we do, the good that we don't do, and the sins against us. So our spirit 
the innermost part of your being, your soul, has, has been corrupted by sin and it's deforming us. Right? It's deforming us like that slide that we showed. We start to believe, we put that up again, Marshall? We start to believe things that are lies and aren't true that cause us to literally take on identities that are harmful to us and harmful to others and then doing things and behavior that is destructive and divisive and painful. I want you guys to see that this, I want you to see this, okay? I don't want you to think, when we talk about the spirit and spiritual things, I don't want you to think like magic and Disney, you know, and like wands and spells and, I want you to think fruit. You're more of an expert on the spiritual reality than you think you are, okay? Because th- here's the thing. You can recognize someone with an anxious spirit. You can see it in them. You can see it being manifest in them. You can recognize someone with an angry spirit. You can recognize someone with a bitter spirit. And sometimes you can even see it in yourself, Um, here's how it plays out in my life. How much time do I have? I have some time. I'll share two examples. One isn't a big deal, uh, and it's when I'm, I have so much on my to-do list. There's so much that needs to be done and seemingly not amount of, not enough time. And I, I really don't want people to feel unloved or I really want to like honor my family or I, I want to honor Jesus and all these things start popping up. And the next thing that I know, I start to feel really anxious and then something falls through the cracks and then my counter like spirals and it snowballs and I'm going to, and I'm starting to now recognize, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I have like an anxious spirit that's motivating me to behave and talk and act in different ways. Are you tracking with me? So I can see it in myself. Oh man, I, I'm living with an anxious spirit right now. Here's another one that's not, I'm not proud, but I'll just, I'll confess into you. Um, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. Um, it was probably even catalyzed because I was operating with an anxious spirit is, I don't even remember the specifics. Ebony either said or did something or didn't do something that some, some for some reason, I don't remember, caused me to kind of be irritated with her. And the next thing I know, I'm like giving her the cold shoulder and I'm kind of like being a jerk. And it's because I'm operating out of a bitter spirit. And that's now motivating me and motivating my behaviors. And it's playing itself out and being short with my wife or avoiding her because of my pride. I think I'm better than her for whatever wacky reason. A bitter spirit, an anxious spirit. You can see it happen in the people. You can literally see it on people. And I don't mean like Disney. That's not what I'm saying. I don't mean like magic. I mean like through how their life is living out. And sometimes you can see it in yourself. When I'm, when I'm anxious, I'm living out an anxious spirit or I'm living out a bitter spirit towards my wife, like I wasn't possessed by the devil. I... I was operating through my old self, my corrupted spirit. You with me in this? Don't think magic. Think fruit. Think of like the the fruit of your life. We're in Galatians chapter two. Later in Galatians chapter five, Paul goes, hey, you want to know what the fruit of the spirit is? The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ? The fruit of the spirit of Christ is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It's all these beautiful things. But on the flip side of that, man, 
the deformed, corrupted spirit, the old Tom, the old self, the fruit of that spirit is all sorts of ungodliness, divisiveness, sin. You guys get the picture. So here's the thing. When a human being, when 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 a real life person receives Jesus as Lord and as Savior, the Bible says that they also receive his spirit. Think about this critically, guys. They receive his spirit. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to, to radically love people, like even his enemies. The same spirit that, that empowered Jesus to serve and, and to sacrifice and to heal and to minister, the same spirit that ultimately raised Jesus from the dead is in the Christian. I want you to think of it like a marriage of spirits. A marriage of spirits. Two become one, right? There's, like, there's a consummation that happens and it's beautiful and it's intimate a consummation of two spirits. The Christian, friends, going to church, reading your Bible, saying prayers, that does, not, that does not define a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a Christian. A Christian is a person for whom their spirit and God's spirit are united. One of the things that we do all the time in our various gospel communities for someone's birthday, what do we do for someone's birthday? affirmations. Why do we do that? Is it just to make them feel good? Although that's definitely part of it. Is it just to create a culture of honor? That's definitely a part of it. But one of the reasons why we do that is because what we're doing is we're literally affirming manifestations of God's spirit in that person's life that we witness. So think about like, here's how you remind me of Jesus. Here's how I'm seeing the spirit of Christ like manifest itself through you in the ways that you serve or the ways that you're thoughtful or the ways that you do things behind the scenes that no one would ever see that are loving and kind and intentional. You guys get the picture. We're, 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 we're putting words, we're, 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 we're giving life to ways that we see God's spirit being manifested in someone else's life. Here's how I witness the work of God's spirit in your life, right? My second, my second point, Paul's describing the reality that God's spirit lives in the Christian. So my friend, the million dollar question, do you have God's spirit? Like, I'm not asking the, like, how long have you been going to church? I'm not asking how much Bible do you know? I'm not asking how many hours you say prayers. Do you have his spirit in you, living in you? Because here's the thing, man. The most glorious thing about Jesus is that he offers it to you. Even when you're at your worst. When you are, like, the worst person you've ever been. He desires you. He offers his spirit to you, but you got to let him in. You have to receive it. All right, my next point, my third one is this. We talk about the old life and the new life, right? The new life is formed into the likeness of Jesus through faith. 
through faith. Look back at uh, Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the body, right? The old one's dead. The life I now live in the body, I live by what? Faith. Faith in the Son of God, right? So Paul's old self is dead. Now he lives a new life. Um, you'll remember this story out of John chapter 3, right? Middle of the night, Jesus has this, this kind of late night meeting with this guy Nicodemus, who's a Jewish teacher and leader. And he like has all these questions for Jesus. He's like, man, no one, like you, you're definitely a teacher from God. Like what's going on with you? Like who are you? And do you remember what Jesus says to him? He goes, Nicodemus, he goes, in order for you or anybody else to see the kingdom of God, a person has to be what? Born again. You gotta be born again, Jesus says. So if you heard the term, the, the, it's sort of become a cliche kind of evangelical pigeonhole thing, but like if you've heard the, the, the phrase born again Christian before, that's what we're talking about. It's this idea of new life. Right? Kind of what Paul's getting at here. Paul says it another way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, marriage, union, spirits together, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. I want you guys to see this. It's new. New creation. New life. Your spirit infused with God's spirit. And remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual formation. The key word in spiritual is what? Spirit. That's where it's taking place. That's where the transformation primarily happens. What you see on the outside is a result of what's happening on the inside. He says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith is trust. It's trust, okay? That's why, we, that's why we focus so much on the no side of that diagram. No, what do we want people to actually believe, to trust as reality, as truth? Trusting and believing what Jesus says. That's what we talked about last week, right? It's the renewing of our mind that brings about transformation. It's the knowing that leads to the being that leads to the doing. Friends, spiritual formation for every single one of us, it's the formation of your spirit. And listen, I watch it happen in my life. I watch it happen in so many other people's lives where we live life not even paying any attention to our spirit. And you could easily argue that you are in the same way that the earth is like 90-something percent water. I don't have the biblical math to back this up. But you're more spirit than you are body. Spiritual formation is the formation of your spirit into the likeness of Jesus. God's spirit, your spirit, united. And the result of that is fruit. It's living as if Jesus was you. It's not you becoming a robot. That's not what we're talking about here. It's the wind. It's the wind. It's the unseen energy that powers you and moves you. It's not about being a robot. It's, it's your God-given uniqueness infused with God's spirit. It's you redeemed. 
And friends, hear me. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need better teaching. It doesn't. It doesn't need better content. It doesn't need better media. The world needs you redeemed. Not a robot. You redeemed in every sphere of life, in your business, in your home, in your neighborhood, amongst your coworkers, amongst your neighbors, amongst your kids, amongst your family, amongst your friends. All right. I want to call the prayer team up and the band. If you guys want to come up, I'm going to close with one last point. I've been preaching long the last several weeks. This morning, you're good. No more hour-long sermon this morning. Okay. Spiritual formation. Galatians 2.20. I want to give you one more point here from that verse. And that is this. The key to spiritual formation is to trust that God loves you. Man, that sounds elementary, doesn't it? It sounds like so basic. Yeah, the key to spiritual formation is to trust that God loves you. Galatians 2.20, again, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I was, um, before me and Ebony were married, um, actually, it's, it hasn't just been before we were married. I've, uh, I go through like seasonal battles with insomnia. It's not like an always thing, but there'll be seasons in my life where I've been like, I'm so tired physically and I cannot fall asleep. It's the, if, if you've ever experienced it, it's the most frustrating, stupid thing in the world. It's so dumb. You're like, my mind's going a million miles an hour and my body is just like exhausted. And there was a, a season in my life right before we got married, not right before, but yeah, we, we weren't married yet. Where I was battling insomnia. Like I couldn't, I, I had a hard time getting to sleep. And Ebony, in all of her wonder and beauty and loveliness, she, she had just as busy of a schedule as I did. Um, she's commuting to school. So she's got to be up early in the morning. But she would come over. Um, I was living at home with my folks. She would come over and she would literally help, like, help me fall asleep by like, just doing something simple like rubbing my head. I mean, she'd be like falling asleep herself and then she'd have to drive all the way back to her house because she'd have class in the morning or work or something, you know? Like, she loved me and she gave herself for me. And I remember in that season of life, like kind of taking it for granted. You just kind of like, that's sweet, that's cool. But 
but I remember kind of taking it for granted. But I also remember the moment when it hit me. Like, like what was really going on. Her act of love and giving herself for me was what? It was an invitation into love. It was an invitation into love. It was an invitation for me to do the same, to love her and give myself for her. Friends, Paul experienced Jesus. He experienced Jesus' invitation into love and it transformed his life, the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 3.16, the most famous passage in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life, right? I've always had a problem with the way they translated that verse. I'm not a, I'm not a, a Greek scholar, but I know enough to get around. I've been frustrated with how they translate that verse because for God so loved the world. Like, it, it's kind of a misleading translation because when you read it on the surface, you think, you think he's talking about how much God loves the world. God loves the world so much. He so loved the world that he gave. That's not what the author is saying. That's not what the apostle John is saying. He's not saying this is how much God loves. He's saying this is how God loves. This is how he does it. The CSB gets it right. The CSB says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's not describing the amount of love that God has. It's describing the way with which God loves. It's the how, not the how much. How does God love? He loves by giving himself by giving himself. It's an invitation to join him in love by giving yourself to him in return. Do you see this? Like, do you see it? Do you see the whole point of discipleship? It's not to just make you an awesome person. Do you see the whole point of spiritual formation, of of being formed in the likeness of Jesus? The whole point, the point of discipleship is being transformed by the love of God for you and then loving him in return. Right? We love, why? Because he first loved us. It's the love of God that ultimately transforms a person into his likeness. Here's my question for you. This is what I feel like God wants to do. When was the last time you received God's love for you? When was the last time you received God's love for you? Not just thought about it. Not just read about it. Not just heard a goofy dude in a black polo talking about it. (laughs) When was the last time you received it? 
you. Not your neighbor, not your family member, you. When was the last time you received his love for you? When was the last time you loved him in return? God loved the world in this way. God loved you in this way. How? By giving himself. When was the last time you loved him by giving yourself to him? Friends, this is the whole point. It's the whole point. It's the foundation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Galatians 2.20. I can't think of a better verse to literally describe discipleship. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith, trust in the Son of God who what loved me and gave himself for me. It's the whole point. Let me pray for us. Nothing compares to your love, Jesus. There's nothing like it. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more sobering. There's nothing more um, humbling. There's nothing more glorious. There's nothing more wonderful. There's nothing more beautiful. Oh, Jesus, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. You stand in a class of your own. You're holy. You're worthy. For some of you, um, Jesus is literally inviting you to receive him, to receive his spirit. Maybe for the first time. If that's you, I want to encourage you to receive prayer. Trusted men and women in the back will pray over you to receive God's spirit living in you, empowering you, animating you like wind blowing through trees. Others of you, it's been a while since you've like felt his love for you. If that's you, encourage you to receive prayer. Jesus wants to meet with you. He's, he's gone through a lot to communicate his love for you. He's passionate about you. He wants you to feel it. Receive prayer. There's others of you that you can't remember the last time that you loved God by giving yourself to him? It's not that you never have. You just can't remember the last time. If 
that's what you get to do right now. Offering him your voice, your body, your mind, like a a physical act of giving yourself to him, of loving him in response to his love for you. This band doesn't get up here. These missionaries don't get up here to just like play fun music and they come up here to serve you so that you can love him. You can give yourself to him. Your voice, your body, your mind, all of who you are, your spirit, his spirit, (laughs) in holy matrimony, if you will. Moments of intimacy, moments of love, moments of service, moments of devotion. God, as we like posture ourselves to respond to your love, I can I can just see you waiting for us. Like we don't have to even necessarily like like we have to we don't have to get you. We don't have to twist your arm to get you to meet with us in these spaces. You've been waiting all morning, and so now we as a people we open ourselves up to you. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be your disciples. We want you to form us into your image. We want to receive, first, we want to receive your love for us and you giving yourself for us. And we want to give ourselves in return as an act of love. That's the point. Lead us in this spirit. Dying to self, raising to new life, born again with a redeemed spirit, the spirit of God in us, loving you in return. That's our prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, listen, receive prayer whenever you want to. There's trusted men and women in the back that will pray over you. Um, The band's gonna lead us. Be loved, receive his love and love him in return. Okay, love you guys very much. We got plenty of time, dude, plenty of time. And I'll come up and close this later. is just spectacular. You created each one of us with like a deep appetite inside of us. Not just for food. But a very deep appetite. It is an appetite for beauty. But not beauty for the sake of just seeing things that are beautiful, but like to draw us to the author of beauty. And that is you. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is starving. Not for more entertainment, not for more pleasure. They're starving for you. 
You're starving to feel like the security and the satisfaction of being with you united spiritually. That includes every single one of us. So the simple request that we bring to you, Father, is all these different lies that we we choose to believe, partially because of what's been done to us and because of what we have done. Man, they just build these walls that keep us from receiving the truth of your love. It is not dependent on our performance. Our performance already, we already let you, we already, not let you down, we already, we already blew that one. But we have not forfeited being able to receive your love. Jesus, you've made a way that transcends that. And so our prayer, Holy Spirit, is that you would help us to receive your love. You would transform us by the renewing of our minds. We would receive your spirit and live the life that you created us to live, a life with you, a life loving you, and a life loving others. I pray for every person in this room who thirsts for forgiveness this morning, that they would drink deeply of the forgiveness that you have for them, your body and your blood in their place to free them, to forgive them once and for all. For those alone, for those afraid, you're with them. Help them to see that. Help them to come out of the hiding and know that no matter what, you love them and your desire is to transform each and every one of us with your radical love. Spiritually, you're forming us. Have your way, King Jesus. We love you. Amen. Love you guys so much. Heavy morning, I know. But sometimes God has a way of uh, not letting us hide in the best ways because he wants us to experience his love in the deeper parts, the deeper recesses of our heart that actually need it the most. Um, The crew is going to be available for a little while longer for prayer for anybody who hasn't yet received ministry. Please don't leave without receiving. That's God's heart for you. Um, Thank you, band, for loving us and serving us. And if you would, maybe help tear down, guys, and grab your kids and enjoy the rest of this glorious Sunday, okay? Love you dearly. Know that you're loved.